0: How's it going everybody and welcome to episode 145 of Master My Garden podcast. Now this week's episode, I'm looking forward to it actually, it's with Rosie May, the insomniac gardener and the the garden itself is in Slane County Mead and we've been trying to line this up for a couple of weeks and between one thing and another we're, we're getting to do it now and it's uh, it's one that I'm excited about uh rosie does gardening talks she has an open garden but only open by appointment so you'd have to you'd have to check out on the website and so on and it's more open for groups than individuals but i suppose rosie has um, a really nice garden i haven't personally seen it yet but looking at it on instagram and so on a really nice garden but she's also very very down to earth in her when she's talking about her garden and how she goes about her garden so i think a lot of people be able to connect with her so Rosie, you're very, very welcome to Master My Garden podcast.
1: Thanks very much, John. It's a, it's a pleasure, and uh, yeah, it's great. It took a few weeks, but between colleges and all the different things trying to sort yeah. everything out, we finally managed it. So finally managed it. To it's to time of time of
0: year anyway. There's lots of stuff going on for people, Absolutely. so yeah, no no worries. Yeah. Um, I suppose the first and obvious question is the Insomniac Gardener. Where, where did the name come from?
1: <laughs> well, uh, actually, uh, during the snow in 2018. Uh, when I couldn't garden, um, I was bored, and a friend of mine was texting me saying, oh, send us a few photographs of the garden in the snow. Right. So I did anyway, and she said, oh, you should put it up on Facebook. And I said, I'm not on Facebook. And she said, well, get on Facebook. So and <laughs> then, of course, there was the what'll I call myself. So my husband just laughed, and he said, you know, Rosie's garden sounded, you know, like there's probably loads of Rosie's gardens. So he said, why don't you call yourself the insomniac gardener? Because you never sleep. And you're always <laughs> You're always meant to be planting at four in the morning, which is true, because I am a real insomniac. So th- that's how it's as simple as that. Just, you know, a joke, really.
0: Yeah. And and, yeah. and you would you would be awake in the middle of the night thinking about the garden, would you?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I might as well be thinking about something useful. Very you
0: know, uh, <laughs> <laughs> good. And the garden is You're in totally Slane, As I say, I haven't visited yeah. yet, but, but, but we'll yeah. definitely at some point in time yeah. So, so tell us about the garden. Obviously, Slane. For anyone like we have listeners in the states and, yeah. and the UK, Slane yeah. is a very <gasps> picturesque place. Anyway, the uh, yes, Boyne Valley, mm-hmm. uh, well known for really mature trees and mm-hmm. yeah, the Boyne River and, and so on. Soil. Rich soil, rich soil. soil yeah, yeah. Without absolutely. A doubt. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah. Well, I'm. I'm. Uh, as I say, I'm from County Meath. Myself, uh, Dunshockton, and you know, moved to Dublin and did all that. And we were actually about to move to Dubai. Uh, my husband had gotten a job out there. And then we said, where are we going? Um, we said, oh, because we'd like to buy a house back in the country. So we just started looking. And then my dad, ironically, found this house and we found the house at the same time, not knowing it was the same place. Right. And you couldn't have picked a better location. Now, it's an old house, but it's talking about the, the picturesque views and the big trees and the, and the like, um, the Boyne Valley is so historic. So our view actually is there's a valley in front of the house and then that leads up to the Hill of Slane. So uh, we have a beautiful um, view right in front of the, the house, the borrowed landscape, if you like. Brilliant. And it's on three acres. Um, it used to be, it's an old Georgian farmhouse so it would have had like hundreds of acre, acres back in the day, but there's three acres left in the garden. But it looks as if there's much more because, there's a, as I say, there's that beautiful view in front of the house.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Three acres, so you you yeah. you have a large scale garden. Um, yep,
1: you have to be careful what you wish for. Yeah. Because, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, so, so I suppose describe the garden, the garden
0: sort of too, is and, and maybe tell us. Uh, okay. Uh, as as I say, I haven't been there before, so yeah. yeah describe what we're looking at. Um, I okay. know you did mention before we started recording that there's some mature trees and so on on it. So maybe tell us yeah. about it and how how it's laid out and all that.
1: Okay. Well, it's, um, it's actually on a, on a, on a hill. And the hill is, as I say, is opposite the hill of slain. So there's the valley in front of it. Um, they certainly knew how to pick their sites back, da- back then. The house would have been and, uh, kind of outbuildings would have been built in the late 1700s. And there were a lot of trees, lime trees. Uh, sycamores ash a lot of the sycamores and ash would have just seeded about over the years Mm -hmm. and there's a few mature scots pine just uh, again just kind of dotted around the garden now we moved in 20 years ago and since then we've probably lost about 10 or 12 trees in storms which is always a kind of distressing thing because you know you're just looking at this beautiful you know tree felled by whatever it happens to be one one year two uh, twin lime trees. They were twinned at the base mm-hmm. and it was New Year's Day and they fell, but luckily they fell in an L around the house. Well, so they hit the, they missed the house, thank goodness, you know. Yeah. But they they give, um, so so when we moved, there was nothing else. There were all the mature trees, no plants in the garden, what to speak of. At the front, um, there was an old kind of land commission fence, but no hedge or anything. And then in the, we moved in in, in December and then in the January, February, um, a lot of bulbs started to come up. So we were thrilled to see there were some snowdrops, yeah. uh, as there are often in these old places. And then in the uh, April, uh, lots of bluebells appeared as well. Ironically, oh, yes. the Spanish the Spanish bluebells as well as the, the local, the native ones, you know, so that was it. And then we just went about planting, basically, because, um, as I say, you have to be careful what you wish for, because I always wish for a big garden and my husband handed me there's a famous story about him handing me a piece of graph paper and i was looking at him going what's that for (laughs) and he was like to plan your you know the garden of your dreams and i had this image of me circling beds and if if i'm actually ever advising anybody i say you know plan the beds and decide what you want and of course sure, i didn't do that the graph paper's still upstairs but i did immediately start planting and it was literally hoofing things in and you know, it takes you a few years, really, to get to know a garden because, you know, where the wind, where the prevailing wind mm-hmm. comes from. You know, there's something basic like, you know, where's where's north, south, east and west, you know? Yeah, um, that's an interesting one like because
0: uh, yeah. last week's episode, we spoke about that, getting to know mm. your garden. Um, really? And yeah. It's, yeah, it, it, it is something that most people, most people when they're starting off, they probably don't do. They just no. know what they kind of want in their head. And that's generally speaking from, you know, Instagram or books or Pinterest or wherever it is. And they want to replicate that or something similar. Um, Yeah,
1: well, it it is interesting because uh, being on Instagram uh, and obviously, as you just mentioned there, you know, you've got followers. You've got followers in in America and same here, America, a lot of people in Australia. And, you know, there are different climates, needless to say. So, you know, you're looking at something on Instagram. You're going, God, I love that. And you realize it's, you know, it's not going to do. And I mean, a lot of the workload is because I am stubborn. So I do have tender perennials that I have to then load onto a sack truck and drag into the greenhouse. <laughs> and you just every year. And then, you know, my husband's in the background going, this is not sustainable. What are we going to do in 10 years? You know, And I'm like, yeah, we'll yeah. worry about it then. We'll worry <laughs> about it then.
0: <laughs> so
1: but it is true, you know, that you have to just know like the basics. For me, the most important thing is the prevailing winds. And our neighbours always laugh because they say it's great because you're the first house. So you break our our prevailing wind is westerly. So we kind of break a lot of the wind that goes towards their houses. So, So, you know, that's that's good. And then, you know, obviously the sunshine and then the soil. Like, what's your soil like? You know, so that's another key. You know, there's no point in trying to grow rhododendrons and camellias and all that stuff if you have really alkaline soil so it's just and and that takes time that takes time
0: and you you would have relatively alkaline soil there i would guess except
1: funnily enough enough, no um um where i grew up uh, um which is only about uh, 20 miles away yes but here uh and more you know kind of up towards the next uh, town we've actually neutral to acidic okay so it's i can actually grow um, and even within the garden, there are different kind of spots, you know, that um, like we've had to bring in soil. So sometimes the soil that we bring in, we can just see that it's it's definitely more neutral. Um, and then oh, but a lot under the trees up the back, um, you know, it is we can we have camellias and rhododendrons and they're different up there, you know. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And it's so, very rich soil. Like it's it, it's it, w- within Ireland, it's it's among the richest soils in Ireland in the Bine Valley.
1: It's... It absolutely is. and uh, But we're, it's funny because um, when we moved in, I remember after a couple of years when I was planting, one of the first things I bought was a mattock, which I'd never even heard of before. Yeah. Um, a great tool for digging holes. And uh, the reason we needed it is because every time I put my spade, in, in the ground. I've never, I've very rarely had what I call a Monty Don moment where you know the way I put the spade into the ground and this beautiful crumbly soil just turns over. It's not like that here. You put your spade in the ground and you hear that thunk of hitting a stone. So in fact there's two quarries behind us. Right. The house was actually built um, uh, using stone from a little small quarry behind us and then there's a much bigger quarry again. And of course there's a huge quarry on um, the other side of Slane as well, a commercial quarry. So every time I tried to push, you know, a fork or a spade, I'd come across this kind of shaly rock. Um, but we do have like the, the, the first kind of foot of soil is very good. And then if you go very deep, there's kind of uh, kind of a cl- more claggy kind of a soil. And I'd say lots of rocks. So the mattock came in really useful <laughs> um, for, you know, you know, and, and I remember standing there going. You know, kind of raging against all these Lincoln rocks and saying, "When I wished for a big garden, I forgot to mention no stones."
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the garden itself, then, obviously, you mentioned a lot of big trees. What what yes. else have you got?
1: Uh, well, that's well. So, I mean, like if chronologically, if you like, um, we, you know, although I did throw out the graph paper, there were certain things that I did did want, and again, most of it was from actually seeing things in other people's gardens i think that's the best way to learn if you go to visit a garden even if you take one thing away with you and you go god i'd like to do that and you don't have to have three acres you can you know miniaturize it if you've got a smaller garden but i had seen a copse of silver birch i think in the west of ireland actually and i said oh god that's beautiful you know just the white tree trunks yeah. and um so we immediately set about planting those and that was one of the best things we did um, so we planted 30 inside the gate and another 10 kind of scattered around the garden to kind of make it look a little bit more naturalistic. Mm-hmm. And then obviously we put in hedges because um, as I say, at the front of the, 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 the garden, there was, not, there was a lovely view and everything. But if we just wanted a hedge again for kind of, you know, the wind and everything. So we planted beech to the front. We planted laurel up the back. And then at the back of the garden, there was a lot of overgrown laurel. I mean, the house was abandoned for about 50 years. So... Yeah. Whatever laurel they planted back in the day. It it actually we used to call it the dark forest. And initially we were going to, you know, take it all out because it had gotten so tall that some of the boughs of the laurel had bent and then hit the ground, re-rooted and then taken off yeah. again. So we were initially going to take it out and then we just we just didn't get around to it luckily. And my son used to play up in that in, in the dark forest when he was a kid. And then, you see, after about three or four years we realized, oh, Okay, that's blocking a lot of the westerly wind. Okay. So we just left it. Yeah, yeah, And that's where we created a woodland about five or six years ago. We literally just, I cut kind of caves in the laurel, if you like. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cut out some of the, 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 the branches. And then uh, we planted in these caves, you know, planted a lot of hostas, a lot of ferns, a lot of woodland plants, you know, hellebores, loads of uh, spring flowering, uh, snowdrops, cyclamen. Um, we just created a woodland yeah, corner, right. as I call it, because it's, it's not a, it's not big enough to be an actual woodland, but a woodland corner yeah. up up the back of the garden. And then there is lots of other. We don't have rooms because I think part of the beauty of County Mead is, you know, the rolling hills and yeah. you know the green fields and like to 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 quote again the borrowed landscape. And so, although there, we don't have garden rooms, there are very distinct different feel you know like to different kind of corners of the garden if you like okay um like i mentioned there the, the woodland corner um we we've, we've a, a little kind of a meadow area that leads into that woodland corner so we we just mow around the edges of it and i'm not going to call it a wildflower meadow because they're much harder work than people think you know yeah um, that's that's interesting
0: oh, now and we might oh, talk about that a little bit yes <laughs> uh, because oh, i
1: could i could hold forth on that subject for quite some time
0: good 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 so yeah. um right while wildflower meadows are obviously yeah. all in and yes and i think firstly there's the there's the bit of confusion where people see an actual floral meadow which is not a wildflower yes. meadow a floral exactly. meadow which is the box of seeds which yeah uh, not necessarily native uh, flowers in them including things like cosmos and all the rest of it and they see that yeah. and they yeah. call that a wildflower meadow yeah and that's exactly. a flower meadow and that's nice oh, it that looks lovely it, yeah it really does look well Um yeah. but then the actual wildflower meadow there's two ways obviously to go create it there's the no mow, let it grow as they call it um yeah. now i have tried that but
1: yeah here's exhausting
0: <laughs> yeah very i i i get the principle of it as well obviously yeah. like you're, yeah. you're you're letting certain things come true and the bees love it and all yeah. the rest of it but for me I'm i was really... doing it in a front area of the garden uh mm. front lawn and what i was trying to do was reduce the mowing essentially um yes. because and and make the lawn smaller mm. and originally i tried to no more let it grow and mm. it was very underwhelming and this is in your front lawn so i was yeah. being told this does not look good you need to do something about no. it and it didn't it looked horrible right mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Uh, yeah
0: so i went about actually resewing it with wild mm. actual wildflowers native irish wildflowers mm. and mm. it has done very well this summer yes. but with still some issues um and it does and take a second, lot of work
1: is this its second summer
0: no this is first summer so Oh okay so. Well, that's
1: interesting because um, you know I, I have a few friends who've also tried this, and it's funny because there's always that kind of, you know, the wow factor, and everybody seems to want a wild meadow? and I agree totally. If you see one more beautiful, you know, kind of packed meadow with cornflower and all, yeah. as you say, you know, poppies and cosmos and all that sort of thing. Now, I knew I wasn't going to have that right from the get-go because I remember my dad years ago; he was a farmer, and he used to say to me, "Oh," he said, "Sure." If you turn over the soil, he said, there's thousands of years worth of so, uh, weeds, weed seeds in the in the soil. It's, he said the earth is a soil ba- is a seed bank. Yeah. So anyway, bearing that in mind, you know, I did do a little bit of research into it, and it said impoverish the soil. Um, ours is south and west facing, so it's an ideal. It's a beautiful sunny location. Um, so impoverish the soil by either removing the top, you know, the top layer of of sod, and it being County Mead, I thought yes, we'll take off the top layer, which we did, and which was an awful lot of work. Uh, a friend of ours lent us a digger, and we were, um, you know, trying to then remove the sod and the whole nine yards, and that was great. And I decided, I saw actually a program on Gardener's World where they were talking about a meadow, and it wasn't a wildfire meadow. It was, an, they called it an ornamental meadow. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I like that idea. So then I started, um, you know, researching, and I looked up, I, I put, put in the search box, um, plants that do survive well in grass. I also bought uh, the yellow rattle. Yep. And the yellow rattle took really well on the left-hand side of the meadow, but for some reason it didn't take on the right-hand side of the mm-hmm. meadow. So the first year, it was fabulous. Now, I planted perennials that do, do well in long grass. Uh, Persicaria uh, bistorta superba. Um, some of the wilder hardy geraniums, you know, the, the geranium faeum, yeah. the purple one. Um, I planted loads of bulbs. Um, I had loads and loads of bulbs um, left over from um, just actually, would you believe, on graves, you know, the way there's these little things, and there's always a couple of bulbs in them and you don't know what to do with them. Yeah, yeah. So, and then a friend of mine wanted to get rid of all the daffodils in her garden. They were driving her mad because they were the big ungainly types. And I was like, yeah, well, sure, I'll yeah. I take them. Uh, loads more bluebells again. That my friend just didn't want anymore. I, you know, I took those. <laughs> it Just shows you how hard they are. I left them under a tarpaulin for about six months, and then in the autumn, I mean, I literally flung them into the ground, and they all came up this year. Brilliant. But anyway, this, but the first year it was wonderful, and I was so proud of myself. And I was like, you know, I had amimagus. I had lots of, you know, like annuals. I did have a little bit of cornflower. Uh, I was delighted to see the yellow rattle took. Planted yarrow, planted a lot of, you know, different perennials like that, and it was just glorious. Fox loves the whole whole nine yards, but then this year, the grass came back stronger than ever on the right hand side, mm-hmm. and then on the left left hand side where the yellow rattle took, I was very pleased because the the grass was much weaker. So now you should see it. I've actually got loads more, um, kind of, I would call them more weedy perennials like you know that linaria, yeah, flax thing, yeah. um, and then I've got this um campanula, it's a tall campanula and it seeds about everywhere and I don't want it in my flower beds, but it'd be beautiful up in the meadow. So I have tons of stuff like that, more persicaria um that I'm going to put in the persicaria it's an early flowering one, you know, the kind of pink marshmallow one, which yeah. looked beautiful. And then I've already any again, any bulbs that I dig up, you know, when you're I've loads of those bluebells, so they're all going in there. And I've also ordered a whole load of camassia. Because they are very good for a meadow, and they they can survive very well in long grass. Oh, so yeah, and fritillaria, you know, the, just the snake's yeah. head fritillaria. So because there's a kind of would you believe there's one wet seam running right down through the meadow on the right on the, and I think that's on the right hand side, and I think that's where the grass came back. And I would never have known that if I hadn't started doing this because I, you know, i we just used to cut it, yeah, uh,
0: yeah.
1: as 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 a lawn, so.
0: You know, the yellow rattle is an interesting one because, you know, yeah. over, la- over the last little while and even mm-hmm. at the moment, everybody's saying, oh, use yellow rattle and it'll get rid of all yeah, your grass. And like, It will not. No, it will not,
1: no. It weakens um, it. It weakens it a little bit if it takes. Now, I, I mean, I was very pleased it did take on the left-hand side. And in fact, a, a visitor, um, a, a very well-respected gardener visited here and she said, oh, you actually have the yellow rattle? And I said, yep. Yeah. And she said, I've never actually seen it. I've read all about it, but I've never seen it actually yeah. growing. And yeah, it's funny because
0: was, yeah, Sandra Cofola uh, had yes. a conversation with him a couple of weeks ago. And yes. he he said, if it's scotch grass you have, then you it's will not, not get rid of it with yellow rattle. No, it won't even, exactly. it won't even make any impact. So yeah. uh, that's what I, I, I do laugh when people are saying, like, just use yellow rattle, use yellow rattle. It, it, no. it, it doesn't solve the grass issue, really. And that no. I think that, for me, is going to be the the issue that the grass is still present, and I think yeah. it may start to dominate a little bit more, and then I could be frustrated mm. by next year. but uh, anyway, we'll mm. wait and see
1: <laughs> well look I mean, that's what i've 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 done. I, I anything that that and actually the grasses were beautiful. A friend of mine in Cork actually she didn't even bother. She just didn't mow an area in front of her house. and it was gorgeous because. You know, all the different seed heads of the grass has looked beautiful, but it only looks beautiful for a while. Yeah. And then, say, in August, you get like, you know, you get, if you do get a a rainstorm or a windstorm, it flattens it all. And then it's actually almost impossible to cut. Now, last year, we cut it by hand with a strimmer. And then I was trying to gather it up. But when you strim, then the bit falls on top of the next bit. And, oh, it was a nightmare. Yeah. So this year, a friend of ours (laughs) actually has a, a flail. It's a great thing living in the country with friends with with, with machinery. So he came in, <laughs> he came in, and it was brilliant. He, his tractor just fit in the gate, and uh, he, he had it done in ten minutes. My literally my jaw was on the floor. I was like, "What?" That took yeah. us two days, three days last year. So again, as I say, planting a lot of those kind of it'll still be really pretty, and it was really pretty this year. But it's just that it is it isn't what you think it's going to be. It's not full of you know full of flowers for for weeks on end yeah you know it's gorgeous for about six weeks and then yeah. you know
0: yeah. and that's it I, I i got a call from somebody a, a friend of my wife um uh, they saw yeah. uh, again what they call the wildflower meadow early yeah. early in the year yeah. um it was absolutely fantastic all summer sent pictures of it and it was look, looked well
1: beautiful Yeah, but
0: again it was a floral meadow and now yeah they're wondering what it's going to look like next year. And you can already see that a lot of what they had this year Mm -hmm. is a lot of the annuals. And next year, they may have some perennials, but really and truly they're going to be redoing that. If they want to keep that look that they had this summer, they're going to have to redo it again and again
1: and again. Yeah. Um, And that is that, and and all that, you know, when you, you know, if you're researching it on so many of the different, you know, websites, you know, obviously they want to sell more seeds, but they do say, oh yes, and the annuals will drop their seeds. No, they won't. I mean, a mm-hmm. few, one or two of them might. But I mean, you know, I had cornflower in the meadow the first year, as I said, because I had we had scraped it and we were on bare soil, and we, yeah. you know, so a lot of it. But like you just said, the scotch grass that that came back, mm-hmm. and so year one was was really pretty. But not one of the the, the cornflowers uh, that I sowed, not one of them could battle with the scotch grass coming back. You know, so. Yeah. So that's why I don't mind for now, once once a year in the autumn, any of the kind of like I hate to throw out plants. And I've got so many foxgloves seedlings and so many, you know, of that kind of that toad flax and um, that, that campanula and, you know, other things that I, I really quite like. You know, um, the campion, there's a red campion. That's beautiful. Um, and, you know, I just dig that seedlings are everywhere. So I dig them up, you know, put them in they'll do well up there for for a season and i mean i literally just just you know use the trusty mattock again once it gets you know in they are fairly tough and yeah. they will survive for one year but then i'll have to redo it next year
0: so yeah yeah, yeah. and so you, you're you're constantly adding some bit of feature to it and yeah that's the thing about yeah. meadows I, I i do think that people have the perception of this as you said yeah. uh, absolutely full of flower with cosmos yeah. cornflower poppies and all of that. Mm. And, and Oxide
1: daisies are good.
0: Oxide daisies, yeah, yeah, they're great. They're brilliant, and they they will yeah. they will stay a little bit. You know, they have good longevity that, in them, and they'll get going so again we, and we reseed. Cut, and
1: oh yeah, we cut the meadow. Um, now I grew those in little plugs, and that's a better way of doing it. Like rather than trying to plant into the grass, so I, I grew them in, in little plugs. Then I potted them on into little nine-inch pots, and then when they were really well established, then I dotted them around the meadow. But I was still planting them into grass. Now you should see them now. I mean, this is this will be year. This is we've just gone through year two. So, and like those little plug plants are now probably about a foot wide.
0: Oh, Brilliant, so, yeah. And
1: and they've already now we've cut we cut the meadow about a month ago, and we left it. And then my long-suffering husband um had to go up. We do have a hand mower because he was just going to drive over it with the ride-on mower. And I said, do you think we we do you, the royal we? Do you hear that? The royal <laughs> we? Do you think do you think we could cut it by hand? Um. Because it's just that the shaft of daisies are coming back up. And he's going, what the... Heck? Anyway, so up he went, as I say, his halo shining in the sunshine. <laughs> and he, uh, he went around with, you know, a wheelbarrow and then kind of, you know, know dumped the, the cut grass into the wheelbarrow. And he just said, just put a, a little bamboo, you know, where you don't want me to cut. Yeah, yeah. And it was incredible because there was the Persicaria, Persicaria Bistorta Superba, which I know I keep going on about, but that's fabulous in the spring. And that's, that's, that's already grown back, even though it's just been cut... To the quick and the oxide daisies and the shasta daisies and a couple of those other kind of more weedy perennials, which is not—it's a bit unfair to call them that, but <laughs> you know, it's just that I don't want them in the borders, but they'd be perfectly beautiful up there.
0: Yeah. Before we finish on 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 uh, wildflower yeah. meadows, um, yes, there is, and I have to check the name, but I'm going to check it in the afternoon. But this okay. morning there was a yellow. I, I ran a path through the middle of it yeah and there's a yellow flower right on the edge of it and I, I need to check what it is first oh, but there okay. was there was definitely 25 to 30 goldfinches now this thing is oh. is short it's only about you know 14 or 15 inches tall so it's yes. not a big it's not a big plant um but there was a, about 25 30 goldfinches on it this morning eating the seeds um, oh you'll have
1: to tell me what that is
0: yeah i need to find out what that it was because it yeah. it was it was amazing I looked out oh. and and, and the, the whole plant was moving and I my I'm wearing glasses now so my eyes weren't brilliant. I was looking out and I could see the whole plant moving and I said, What yeah. is that? And when I went over and looked, you could see them and they were going at it so much. Um oh I tried to get a photograph, stuck the phone did. out to the window, but I just couldn't get yeah. it clear enough. Um yeah. but it was it was unbelievable. We spent about ten minutes looking at them this morning early oh. this morning, yeah. Fantastic. So,
1: oh, yeah. Gosh.
0: Um Anyway, uh, the the rest of the garden. Then, so we have yes. the we have the mature trees up in the top. Yes. You have this sort of created uh, woodland area in the yeah. overgrown, laurel, overgrown laurel, and then we have yeah. the the meadow. What else? Yeah. What else have you so got?
1: So, if I stick with the back, in fact, when people when people do come for the for the tour, we start at the back of the house actually, and we walk up. There's a, a at the back of the house. There's one. I don't have many uh, straight. I have straight lines, but I have one just mirroring the back of the house and that's kind of in uh, informal and i like to call my style relaxed planting because it's not very it's not formal there are no real formal beds because you know i like that kind of wild look um but yet there are beds and there are edges and there are paths and um my husband put those those all, all of those in and that didn't just happen like he edged it with steel and then we got um uh, kind of a hoggen. it's like a, a kind of a golden kind of a you know gravel uh, from 10 millimeters down to dust it's called ballylust dust and it's fantastic and the rain kind of washes in the top kind of layer and then you're left with this kind of golden gravel so that's kind of that's an awful lot of unseen work because when you're walking on a path or walking up steps like we put all of that in my husband um, did all of that and he went off to do a course in lime mortar work because we also have a lot of old outbuildings. Mm-hmm. So I walk people up the back and there's that long bed. It's got catmint, uh, geranium roseanne, a couple of staples. Like, And if, if somebody who isn't into gardening and who wants to start gardening and gets overwhelmed, I love to encourage you know new gardeners. And people come here sometimes and because I have three acres, they say, oh, well, I'm not a gardener. And I'm like. Look, if you have a window box, you're a gardener. You know, it's a, it's about the passion. It's about the, the love of growing things. And that's what I said about visiting gardens. You know, I plant them in fives and sevens because I'm trying to fill a large area. But you can plant them in ones or threes. Yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, if, if you like if you plant so that you have color, you know, most of the year. And that is possible in Ireland. We live in a very temperate climate. We're lucky that we have a wide range of plants that will actually give us color pretty much from January all the way through to December. And, you know, I show that on my Instagram page. Now, obviously, it's much more limited in, in uh, you know, in December and January. But you still have colour. And whether it's um, colour from, you know, the leaves or from bare branches or from stems or, you know, the bark of, 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 a, of a tree, all those things add colour to the garden. That's one of my, my favourite subjects. So, you know, just the five plants that I would kind of, you know tell everybody to plant is geranium roseanne catmint uh rudbeckia goldsturm you know the little kind yeah. of miniature one uh noreens noreens for color then in, in kind of september you know late and then lots of bulbs you know early for early color in the year so that's kind of at the back and then we've got another few kind of beds we've got a white uh bed that i i tried to do again everything is an experiment somebody gave me a present once of a little trowel, and it says on it learning to garden by trial and error. And I like it because <laughs> it really is true. You know, I had this really romantic idea of a white bed and I'm um, sure most of the year it's green, you know, <laughs> <laughs> sure. so it's the green and white bed. And then, of course, once we stopped mowing that area of the garden, the bluebells that were in the lawn, they come up. So and I, no matter how many times I dig them out, they still come up. So it's white, uh, green and blue in spring. And uh, it is pretty white now at the moment because it's full of uh, I love panicle hydrangeas and they're another oh, yeah. plant that I tell people all the time to to to, to plant, as well as the mop heads, which I, 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 I'm a bit obsessed about hydrangeas, but the the panicle hydrangeas are so dramatic yeah. and um very easy care, you know. So I've a white so I have the white bed, I have the long border with the the, the, the blues and, and uh yellows and stuff, then I have a kind of an island bed in the back and then the woodland and the meadow and we've got terraces that were originally veg but i have now slowly taken them over with um with uh flowers i still grow some veg but i kind of hide it in between the flowers i grow garlic uh swiss chard uh cucumbers tomatoes and a few potatoes but there's only there's only three of us and I end up giving away most of my vegetables. So I just said, OK, calm down. And
0: that's something that that's something I've veg. spoke about a bit. So you're, you're growing the likes yes. of chard, Swiss yes. chard then within your within your ornamental yes. bed.
1: Absolutely. They're in, in between. So I have six um, veg, actual veg beds and uh, they're 18 foot long by four foot wide and you know, I did try carrots, but carrot fly. And then we had wireworm in the ground. So the potatoes kept getting the wireworm. So I was getting a bit frustrated as well because I like to encourage as much wildlife as we can. And then, of course, there was all the caterpillars and the cabbage moths and everything. So I just said, right, OK, grow what you what you want to grow, what you want to eat the most that's nicer that you can't get in the shops. So that's where I went with, I mean, you can't beat homegrown potatoes uh, absolutely everybody should be growing garlic even if it's in a pot because it's just so easy yeah um the charge is lovely for you know wilting in stir fries or anything like that uh tomatoes uh cucumbers you can't beat them fresh and stuff like that but a lot of the other stuff like you know i know carrots are supposed to be easy but oh you know they just ended up you know with carrot fly and everything so and plus I'm, I've i've limited time and you know if you're going to do so like a lot of work on vegetables, you know, you you just you know you, you that could take up all of your time. Yeah, whatever. And, and I and I haven't even got to the the rest of the garden yet. <laughs> so I mean, in my description, I've 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 described the back. That's the back.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the 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 front then. Let's let's move to the yeah. front. Um, we'll okay, we so... co- come back to something you mentioned there in a minute, but tell us about the front then oh, as well.
1: Okay. Well, at the front, as I mentioned, the, the, the silver birch, when you drive in, yeah. you have 30 silver birch birch on the left. And I love that area because that has colour, like, you know, all year round, obviously yes. from the white stems. It's underplanted with snowdrops. When the snowdrops go, then we have um, tulips. And there are perennial tulips, even though people don't um, realise it. Uh, mm-hmm. If you buy any, of the, if you're lucky enough to buy the Darwin hybrids, um those tulips, I have just the red and yellow apple dorn tulips, and they've been there for 18 years, and they're still coming back every year.
0: Yeah, that's, that's um, what I've planted over the last couple of years, is, is oh, all the apple,
1: apple dorns. Yeah. Apple dorn, yeah, they're yeah. brilliant. And then when they go, then there's bluebells, and then I have foxgloves, and there's forget-me-not. And then if, obviously during the summer, then there's just the beautiful, the white kind of purity of the silver birch. And then we move along, and I've got... Um, <laughs> Which actually accidentally turned into our pet cemetery, but we, um, because we, we, so shouldn't of have us, laughed
0: there, but yeah. I know. Um, I, know. I, I have an area like that as well. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and then, as I mentioned, we've lots of stone. And uh, my husband carves their names on big rocks and puts them down there and actually we've had little funerals you know when my when my my son was small and the nieces and nephews nephews used to come to the the pet funerals and right. so they're all they're yeah. all planted down there in amongst and they all got a plant each so of course that was a little excuse for another area of planting and then we walk across and we've um we've got the beach hedge at the front and inside the main gate we have some copper beach and a couple of years ago actually really Gosh, it was only a year ago, a year and a half ago, a friend of mine um, who sells plants, um, he texted me and said, do you want a bargain? Um, Because a lot of the hydrangeas that are sold for Mother's Day, mm-hmm. they had gotten frosted on them. So he's a real plants man and I admire that about him. He never throws out anything if he if he doesn't have to, but he knows they'll always get a good home here. So I bought them and they're now planted inside the gate under the Copper Beach. And what I'm attempting to do is uh, this sounds very fancy now. I was saying it to a friend of mine. I said, oh, I think I'll just make it into a hydrangea hedge. And she said, oh, no, dear. She says, oh, no, a hydrangea lawn sounds so much better. And I was like, oh, yeah, I like the idea of that. I like it. the way in some of the big houses they do um, a laurel lawn, which I yeah. think is rather boring. But anyway, anyway, so I'm going to have a hydrangea lawn. So because it's about 30 of them down there. And, um, and so they're planted in a block. In, in Yeah. Uh, like so there's the, the gate, the driveway. And then on either side of the gate, there's one copper beach on either side. And then I have a columnar copper beech kind of just up a little bit. So underneath of all of those, we've planted like 15 hydrangeas on either side. Very um, nice. uh, yeah, and it's that... great because it gets it gets the runoff because it's at the bottom of the hill, it gets the runoff from the house. So yeah. there's plenty of water down there. And, so and which planted. hydrangea is it? They're a mix. They're just they're just a mop head hydrangea. And there's pinks and blues and all sorts. And in fact, um, you know, I don't, I don't. None of them were named. They were just yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah. He had gotten them in? And when you walk on, then we actually have an area down there where we planted the other ten silver birch. And there's a kind of a bank, and we have a pond down there. And the pond it runs off. It's a natural pond because it's the overflow oh, lovely, yeah. from. It's actually the overflow from the well of the house. And when we moved in the lady we bought the house off she she'd been here for two years and she said i think there's a pond here so i went in one day in the february 20 years ago and it's it did seem a bit boggy and i started pulling the grass and when you pulled i pulled a bit of the grass and of course the 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 roots were about 2 feet long you know like that spud yeah, grass yeah yeah and you know glistening white and immediately it kind of came up with that kind of a you know a suction sound And I just kept pulling and pulling. And I think four hours later, my husband came down to find me. And I was like, I found a pond. so exciting. Woo, you know, it was brilliant. And, of course, that was another planting opportunity. And I immediately planted um, one gunnera in the corner, uh, which has done beautifully. And it looks very, um, you know, very architectural there in in the background. Not the the, the spready type. Um, Isn't there two types? There's gunnera manicata and gunnera tinctura, tinctura, tinctura. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, tinctoria I think it's called and it's not the one that that seeds about okay and it's it's quite well behaved it's 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 in it's in the corner and fabulous big architectural leaves and then I planted all around it talk about a planting opportunity you know slowly I've just been encircling the pond with um you know like things like um rogercias and astilbees and stuff that I couldn't grow because my garden is quite dry with all the big trees. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, all those lovely kind of damp, loving plants, they're all around the edge of the pond now. Brilliant. And then, there's yeah, loads more. There's roses, there's orange. I've kind of lots of orange apricot roses down there. As
0: well. Yeah, so, sounds gorgeous. Definitely. We're definitely going to check it out. <laughs> um, yeah. Before you before you took on this garden 20 years ago, yeah. had you mm-hmm been gardening prior to that, had you?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I was literally I thought I was a gardener when I was four um, because my mother gave me a little patch. Um, yeah. She was a very avid gardener. My dad uh, was a gardener as well. They were they were both really, really into the garden. And um, my daddy was a farmer, but he also was very much into the garden and loved roses and was always coming home with something. And um, in fact, I brought a lot of bear plants here when, when they died, because to me, plants that belong to somebody else, they just take on a life of their own. And, you know, it just reminds you of people. And, you know, you can oh, that's, you know, that's my father-in-law's hydrangea. No, that's, you know, mommy's yeah. favorite rose. And, you know, like I always tell anybody, visitor, any visitors who, who, who come here, they'll be sick of the same story. But um, I call my parents snowdrop thieves because in the 50s they they uh, liberated some snowdrops from an abandoned farmhouse. <laughs> <laughs> liberated. <laughs> they liberated them. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, because I do, you know, cause who knows? Because if, if somebody, say if somebody buys a house, like, in fact, this house was abandoned, as I said, for about 50 years, and when the lady who bought it before us, she was here for about two years, they, ha- they had a digger because they were taking out a lot of kind of weedy um, yeah. ash trees and stuff that and she just said, oh, it unearthed an awful lot of bulbs. And she said, I didn't know what they were, so I just put them here. Now, as it turned out, they were all snowdrops. Right. And if they had thrown those out, like if, if somebody doesn't know about gardening and they just dumped that topsoil, there go all those beautiful snowdrops, which, yeah. as you know, are so difficult to get and to get them to grow. And so it's lovely to be given snowdrops from somebody. So I, yeah, for sure. I dug up, yeah, we dug up loads of snowdrops from my parents.
0: And that's something that that's something that has come up. I don't know how many times, but it has come up at least yeah. twenty times over the over the last really. two years on the podcast. Is uh, really? have, having plants that have come from, particularly yeah. parents or, or grandparents' yes. gardens, and yes. how that connection is mm. always there. And, and oh, I,
1: it's so special. Yeah, yeah it
0: definitely is. And it, as I say, it's something that has come up um, just naturally has come up during conversations yeah. like this on so yeah. many occasions. And I do think it's mm. uh, I do think it's a really important part of gardening. and it, like it is. you know, younger people coming in they won't know that now but at some point in the future they'll remember that there's a plant that my mother gave me my grandmother gave me my whatever absolutely uh, or that came from another garden and i think that's that's at that point in time the connection would be really made even though they didn't they know now and it
1: is yeah and it's funny because even i'm a devil for giving people you know um wedding presents of trees and Uh, christening presents of apple trees and, you know, plum trees for their their kids and stuff. And I mean, sometimes, you know, but I do I know sometimes I'm sure that the last thing somebody wants when they're building a new house is, is, you know, a tree because then they're kind of going, you know, my garden is a tip. You know, I don't have a garden. I have a pile and I'm like, just keep it in the pot for two years and just, you know, mind it. And then I'll plant it for you in a couple of years. But like, you know, just I guarantee you'll be so happy, you know, like three silver birch for somebody. You know, instantly you've got that. You know, and and then, but if you even just throw them in the corner, they don't have to. You don't have to have a flower bed around them. Just plant them, and you know, while you're getting on with living, they're getting on with growing. That's what I always say because you know, you go and you have your kids, and you know, the birch trees you planted. Like that's what we did when we moved here. Like, like, so many people comment on the birch trees when they walk in because, and I'm glad we went big. We just said we have a big garden. There's no point in putting five in, so we put forty in and you know it was weed you hear me the royal wee again i bought them but my husband that's great
0: well you you gave the instruction i suppose
1: i did yeah i did, <laughs> I did help I, you know i mixed i mixed up you know you know some granular seaweed and a bit of compost and, 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 the, and, and the native soil actually that's another good good tip for for planting that i read a couple of years ago um you know the way most uh trees and stuff they come in i don't know whether this is rubbish or not but funnily enough ironically enough it's what my husband did at the time because when he was kind of researching how to plant silver birch they said you know dig a two-foot square hole so each one of the 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 trees got a two-foot square hole and i read somewhere and this was only recently because he did this 20 years ago uh you know um, they come in round pots but don't plant them in round in a round hole because the roots are going around and round in the in the round pot yeah and then if, if it's into a round hole it'll continue to go around so it'll just be like another pot in the ground whereas if it has if it's a square it kind of comes up against a wall and it goes through it so i just thought that was really interesting and a dear friend of my mum's she's a brilliant gardener she's still gardening uh, at 89 and she used to say it's a bit like making a cake she said and she'd say um so dig your hole take out your soil And then if you're going to amend it with manure or compost or seaweed powder or, you know, whatever organic matter, as much as you can that you want to put into the hole, she said, kind of mix that in a trug, you know, or in the hole itself. Put it back in and mix it in the hole. So, you know, your your roots are coming out into maybe a bit of compost that they're familiar with. Then they're going out into the kind of the mix of your own native soil. And then when they hit, by the time they hit the native soil, They've become accustomed to it, and we've always done that. And I've always found it's better than just digging a hole just the size of the pot and ramming it into the ground.
0: Yeah, I just, it's a I it's a it's, it's a funny one because if you, if you said you researched it at the start, if you research yeah. how to plant a tree, there's going yeah. to be I know <laughs> uh, uh, oh, probably fifty or 100 a hundred different <laughs> versions of it. um You'd
1: never plant. You'd never you'd never actually take up gardening if you. And that's why back to the graph paper. I was kind of yeah. like seriously, you don't know, no. And I mean, I've made so many mistakes over the years. You know, you can see them. I actually point them out to everybody because I, I, back to learning by trowel and error. Mm. You know, when you buy a plant and it says on the label, size and or height and spread in 10 years. So I go, okay, I'll plant that here. But then what about what happens after 10 years? I was kind of going, oh, it doesn't say eventual height and spread. Mm -hmm. It just says height and spread after 10 years. So I have two. Um, I planted a beautiful crinodendron, you know, the evergreen, you know, um, Japanese lantern. I planted that and then I had grown a holly tree from a berry, would you believe? And, yep, and of course it was only a stick of a thing Um, and I planted that to the left of it and then I was given a present of a golden holly so I planted that to the right of it. Sure, it was within 10 years, it was a wall of green, they were all growing into each other and I was like, oh gosh, and then they were too mature to dig up yeah so I left the crinodendron in the middle, and then what I did was I crown lifted the other two hollies, so I made them into lollipops, yeah if that yeah. makes any sense yeah and now so they're still too close together, but at least they look it's not a wall of of you know of just of evergreen leaves, and that happens all the time you know and you can you can adjust things by you know by crown lifting, for example, a lot of people grow um you know the contorted hazel,
0: yeah
1: um which Although I love it in the winter with its lovely twisted stems, in the summer, it's really a kind of a wall of like, you know, the, le- the leaves are that kind of they're not a great green. And I was looking at it and I was going, oh, God, you have to go. But then I hate to, I hate killing anything or digging anything up. So I just looked at it and I was kind of going, hmm, I wonder. So I started to crown lift it and I basically cut off a lot of the the, the lower down branches. right. And then, yeah, and then as I got up about two thirds, You could actually see a lot of those mature, gnarly, twisted branches, and then I could plant underneath it. So I planted agapanthus and different things underneath it, and now it's gorgeous because all the twisty stems are on the top. Yeah, and they're up high
0: and they're They're above eye level, so you're looking you're looking up into it without too much competition to your eye.
1: Yeah, and then I kind of at the kind of the 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 lower part of it where they did start to kind of twist and turn. That's now visible because I, you know, I crown lifted it, and everybody loves like a lot of the visitors to the garden they all go oh gosh i have one of those i'm going to do that yeah so that's a, you know it's a, it's that's a, it's an interesting a, one
0: because i've never i've never seen that before but i do i know i don't know what you're saying like it it's yeah the, the, i'll send you a photo the, yeah, yeah brilliant the no. like the twisty stems are gorgeous but they don't gorgeous. stand out at all so if no. they're in the middle of a bed with other yeah. things you, your eye won't see them
1: no Um no. yeah so it's, it's and it's really easy to do and and then you know then people say but do you not have to keep at it the odd time, maybe once a year, I have to go in under the tree, and just take out. And you kind of, you just rub them off now at this point, or use your secateurs and just anything that comes again from the base. I just cut them once a year, and that's enough to keep it, to keep it kind of tidy. Yeah, it's it's a it's a good little good little trick.
0: Good little trick, unusual yeah. one. I hadn't heard or yeah. seen that before. So yeah, interesting. There
1: you go. Correcting my mistakes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. We we we've been talking for 40, 40 minutes now at this stage, Sorry. and uh, I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think we probably could, and 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 uh, we might have to come back again some other time. Um,
1: I haven't mentioned the courtyard yet.
0: Oh, go on, tell us about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you, I did warn you. Um, we had a we've a lot of old farm buildings, and they're yeah. all in a ruin, a ruinous state. And um, my husband did a, a course in how to you know do lime mortar work. And we jokingly used to refer to one area as our Mediterranean courtyard, okay. and I mean full of weeds and rocks and um, broken Guinness bottles and everything. And then in 2016, we actually hired a digger and we took 80 tons of spoil out of the this little. It's only a small courtyard. Wow. We took 80 tons of spoil out of it, and then we realised that, like we, we, you know, we gravelled it and we put little, two little kind of patios in. And now the, the building it's attached to is still a ruin, but we restored one of the walls around it just as a kind of a, a tester to see how, how we would go with the lime mortar work. Yeah. And then we realized the west, westerly wind was blocked by the big building, by the barn. So we've planted tree ferns, which are not strictly Mediterranean, but again, I was just trying to protect the tree ferns. So we've planted tree ferns and have loads of aeoniums and basically sun loving plants they're they're all in the in the courtyard and i always kind of save it to last and people come in and then they go oh wow because it's not you know it wouldn't be a traditional county mead garden if you like so that i suppose is a little bit more formal than the rest of the garden yeah
0: and it i suppose apart it, from the,
1: apart from the ruined building of course yeah
0: unusual a little bit then as well obviously that you're, yeah. you're able to do those things there the, the tree yeah. ferns and so on and yes. protection wise have you to do much with them in the winter
1: well, for the first, because we all remember 2010 when yeah. three ferns died all over the country, initially I was a bit paranoid about them because they're very expensive and yeah. um, I didn't didn't want to lose them, so I was wrapping them. And then last winter, I, two winters ago, I was kind of going, why am I wrapping these? It's not that cold. Like every website you read say, say that they're good uh, to minus seven, you know, the Dixonia ones. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of going, why am I wrapping them? And they do love water and they're not going to get any water. So last winter i just braved it out and i didn't wrap them but i kept kind of hessian and a bit of horticultural fleece handy yeah. that if it was going to be if there was going to be a prolonged cold spell i could just kind of protect the crown mm-hmm. um which is where you know you want to protect where next year's fronds are coming from and really they did brilliantly they really really did because and then i heard uh, Dermot Gavin uh, talking about it i think on his um, instagram but he was told that um, a lot of tree ferns, a lot more tree ferns, die of drought than they do of the cold because we have them wrapped so much. Oh, the, the rain can't get at them over the winter. So it's not yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely. I suppose yeah. it makes sense too because they do yeah. they they like moisture kind of all the time. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I, as I say, I just I braved it out and I will do the same. But I, I will keep something on, you know on standby so that if it was going to be very very cold you know lower than minus seven for a, a prolonged period i would wrap
0: them brilliant yeah, yeah. rosie it sounds like a, a really really interesting garden um i'm definitely <laughs> gonna to have to have to get a look at it uh, at some point in time um more than i know you're doing some writing for the irish garden as well so people can can check you out there but in terms of your your website and where people can find you online you might tell people where they can where they can find you
1: Sure, certainly. It's uh, Instagram and Facebook. And then if I really want to hold forth about uh, something like, I we have a lot of old famine pots or, you know, snowdrops or whatever, uh, mostly that's kind of on my um, blog, which is theinsomniacgardener.ie, you know, www. Brilliant. And on
0: Facebook and Instagram, you're the Gardener as well. the Gardener, yeah. Super. It. Rosie, it's been a really interesting chat. Uh, as we said at the start, we didn't necessarily have an outline <laughs> on it, but we... No. We, we'd see her in a conversation you you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and the conversation went in went into some really interesting topics So, uh, and I think there's lots there for people to get out of it and, and lots for people to help people in their own gardens so Rosie so. thank you very very much for coming on Master My Garden podcast
1: you're very welcome lovely to talk to
0: you so that's been this week's episode a huge thanks to Rosie for coming on uh, really interesting chat um, yeah as I said lots of different avenues that we went down there the, the, the you know the wildflower meadow was an interesting conversation and what rosie's doing there planting in some perennials that will do in grass that's a really interesting concept an idea that i hadn't really seen before so worth checking out and uh, definitely a garden that if you can at all um, obviously by appointment check it out and uh, yeah that's uh, as i say really interesting and lots of good tips in it so that's been this week's episode thanks for listening and until the next time happy gardening